This is the Thorn Podcast, the show that navigates the complex world of wellness and explores the latest science behind diet, supplements, and lifestyle approaches to good health. I'm Dr. Robert Roundtree, Chief Medical Advisor at Thorne and Functional Medicine Doctor. As a reminder, the recommendations made in this podcast are the recommendations of the individuals who express them and not the recommendations of Thorne. Statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Thorn Podcast. This week, we're going to do something special. We're going to explore all of the insights and offerings behind Thorn's Gut Health at Home Test Kit. To help you follow along, in addition to our regular audio episode, we're also releasing the video from this recording as well. So be sure to check that out on Thorn.com or on our YouTube page so you can follow along as we go over our results. Joining me to talk about this test is my friend and colleague, Thorne's Vice President of Medical Affairs, Dr. Amanda Frick. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks, Bob. Nice to see you again. So, um, Amanda, you and I have both taken the gut health test. Uh, we're going to walk our listeners through the process and the results in a bit. But why would somebody want to take this test? Who do you recommend it for? I think, um, I mean, you could take it for a lot of reasons. I think the primary reason that someone would take the gut health test is because they have some kind of issue with their digestion. Maybe maybe their bowel movements are irregular or they have bloating a lot of times after they eat uh, or just things aren't quite right with digestion. I think that's probably the primary reason why most people would take it. Personally, I think there's a lot of other reasons you could take it. You could support your weight management or your immune system or if you have female health issues. Uh, but I do think primarily uh, people are taking it because they have digestion challenges. So how would you uh, frame the kinds of things that you'll learn from the test when you talk to a client? What would you tell them, this is what you're going to get if you do this test? I think that um, I think the best way to look at it is you'll get an idea of what the overall picture of the balance of the microbes and yeast and fungi are in your gut. You'll have a little better idea of how that stacks up against the normal population as far as your immune function. We should get some um, information in there about whether there's signs of inflammation in your gut. And so I think you're getting a good picture of what could be going on or some ideas of what you could be doing about it. And I mean, that's the best part. What makes the thorn test difference is you're actually, you're actually getting a product and lifestyle recommendations after you can take a bunch of info about what's going on there but thorn gives you some some actual workable and personalized solutions that you can help to make things better now i know in the in the old days the golden days of medicine you would say i want to do this stool test because i am looking for a particular what we call a pathogen a you know a microbe that could be causing a serious problem diarrhea you know uh, dysentery, etc. How is this test different in terms of the technology and you know what we're uh, what we're putting together with the information? How is the information different? I think that that you're limited when you're doing a test like that. So you're looking for that specific thing, or you know what you're looking for, and so you're seeking out that information. And what makes the Thorn Gut Health test different is that it's giving you all of the information. So it's a 
the genomic sequencing is giving you a picture of everything that's in there instead of trying to identify if that specific thing is there. So you'll find out what you need to know if you're if you want to know something specific. But um, that would be more a targeted test that you do with your physician. And this is giving you a better overall picture of not just bad bugs, good bugs, all kinds of things that are, are happening in your gut. I have to say that I just saw a headline from a study that came out of Arizona State University where they took autistic kids and they gave them fecal transplants. So they didn't actually call it that. I thought it was very clever that they didn't put that in the title, but I read the paper and it was pretty clear that's what they were doing. I think they called it a microbial, human microbial transplant. And then the paper pointed out that they did this new technology for analyzing the gut microbiome of these kids after they'd had the transplant. And they said this new technology was called metagenomics, shotgun metagenomics. Now, I thought, well, that sounds familiar. Isn't that mm -hmm. what the gut health test from Thorne has been using for years? It is. Yes. Yeah. So this new technology is something that, that is a little bit old hat for Thorne. It is. I think we're one of the first to market, if not first to market, for especially a consumer available test that had shotgun genomics. And what are we going to learn from this shotgun genomics uh, again, that's different than another DNA test because, you know, as I said, in the old days of medicine, we'd do a culture. We'd look for salmonella or shigella, something like, you know, a bad bug. And then DNA-based tests came out, but they were using something called PCR, yeah, right, which is, you know, not bad. But And they were also doing something called 16S sequencing. They were looking for a particular gene. How is shotgun metagenomics different and why is it so special? I, th I think to the, the most basic thing about it that's so simple is that it, you don't have to know what you're looking for. You're getting everything. So it's not, um, do you have this thing present and seeking out a confirmation of, of something that you're looking for in particular? It tells you everything that's there. So you're getting a picture of the bacteria, the fungi, the yeast, and then human DNA. So you can identify whatever type of DNA is found in the sample rather than just trying to identify against a known or looking for a particular variable. So I, one analogy I heard uh, in, in a description of this is it'd be like if you're doing a survey of a neighborhood in New York City and basically you went through a neighborhood and you only look for a certain ethnic group, right? So you said, okay, I'm going to go through this neighborhood. I'm just going to see how many people are here from Puerto Rico, right? And that's all you looked for. But what if it was an Italian neighborhood? then you'd miss all the Italians, right? Or you'd miss, you know, whatever other group was there. And so I think the same thing is true for our stool is we've got thousands of different kinds of bacterial species that we could be looking for. So if we don't set ourselves up in the beginning to say, we're only going to look for one thing for the bad bugs that we're going to miss out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be part of, we're constantly learning it. I don't know what the exact metaphor is, but I saw something about, we know as about as much about our gut microbiome as we do about like the deep ocean. There's just, oh. we don't even, we don't even know. So yeah. we don't know what we don't know. So we still have to figure it out. Um, so this is just giving us a snapshot picture of everything instead of only what we know. And how are we analyzing the information? I mean, it's obviously a lot of information that's coming through here. Um, is somebody sitting down in a basement looking at the numbers and going, well, I think this is what's going on? Or is there, 
<laughs> is there another level? That's obviously a leading question, but yeah. you know, <laughs> how, how does this, you know, I, I obviously couldn't analyze it all by myself. So what, what kind of assistance do we have in putting that information together? Yeah, we have the, we have an AI machine learning system, so it's getting smarter all the time. And every sample that we get, it's learning a little more and getting a little bit better. Um, and I'd hate to admit it, but you know that's making it a little bit smarter than the humans that could be in a basement looking yes. at it. Um, but yeah, so we not only do we have a, a more sophisticated technology to identify what's there, we have a more sophisticated technology to analyze it. So why don't we talk a little bit about what actually is in the kit, what the process is, what it looks like. I mean, people... When you say, I'd like you to do a stool sample, I'm sure that conjures up you know, all kinds of thoughts uh, about what's involved. You know, there's a yuck factor. And do, do I really want to do that? What's unique about the thorn gut health test? Um, I think that's the best part about the test. So in, in my years in practice, I can't even remember how many times I've done a gut health test. Um, a stool collection test and how many patients I had to do one. We called it a, a French French fry box collection. <laughs> yes. So a little yes. bit hands on. Um, yep. So what and you remember one... it. There's a reason you remember oh, yeah. it. <laughs> oh, you can't forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that 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 helped my therapist referrals go up. So, <laughs> um, so the, what's great about this is you just do what you would normally do. So whatever you know. Hopefully your daily activity in the restroom, uh, you're just using a different tool. So there's a, a wipe collection method, which is unlike any other collection method I've ever done or seen. Um, so you just use the restroom as you normally would. No French fry box, no collecting. The actual no aiming, output. no aiming <laughs> necessary. Nope. Yeah. No worry about missing. Um, and then you just use the provided wipe instead of normal toilet paper. Uh, so you're using our wipe method and then you just add it into a liquid media where it dissolves. Um, and the other great thing about it is the liquid media is basically salt water. So you don't have to worry about chemicals or some of the, there's some creepy stuff in a lot of the jars that you get in the, in the French and the fry typical box stool method. collections. Yes. Formaldehyde, I think is in one yeah, of them. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. Don't spill it on your hands or you might be able to see what your bones look like. <laughs> well, that's extra data. We charge yeah, extra for that. Yeah, extra data. <laughs> Um, so then that makes it a lot easier. So there's gloves gloves provided. So you just go about your normal activity, add the wipe into a, a little bottle of solution, and then you're done. It's that simple. Wow. So I mean, how does that work? You you this you're putting a wipe in a you're wiping yourself, and then you're putting it in a liquid and a bottle. How is that even possible that that would be able to to analyze DNA from your stool. Do you have a few words about just the technology that's, I mean, this is pretty advanced technology, obviously. It is. I'm probably not the expert on the exact wipe technology. We have really fancy people in New York that would be the experts on that, but it was developed specifically by people um, at Thornhill Tech. So it's not oh. available anywhere else. Uh, the wipe dissolves in the salt water. And mm. so the salt water stabilizes the DNA so it can make it through transit without an issue, without chemical. And then when you're when it's finished, the wipe just dissolves away. So all you have is stabilized sample in saline solution. Okay. So is it, uh, this is a question for people that might be doing the collection. If they, they put the wipe in the solution, do they have to expect it to be 100% dissolved for this to work? Or is that okay if there's no, little fragments okay. of it? It would be okay to have fragments. Okay. I, I mentioned that because that's what happened when, when I did it yeah. and the results came back just fine. So 
you know, the important Thankfully, thing is the wipe has no DNA. So that that's, that's exactly <laughs> right. The, so there's the wipe is basically uh, an inert material that's not going to interfere with the test. Right. So so this in and of itself is a huge breakthrough, this use of this wipe. Right. In terms of convenience, the science involved is really it's phenomenal technology. It is super exciting. Yeah. As much as a stool collection can be exciting, this one is very this exciting. This is exciting. And you're right. I have used the French fry box for collection. <laughs> I've put um, these carefully designed little wraps that go over the toilet seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of other versions of that out there. And this really uh, could not be beat for convenience and ease and complete lack of the yuck factor. I think another great thing is because it's DNA analysis, when you do the traditional method, you have to gather samples from different areas of the, of, of the sample and you're trying yes. to get Put your little spoon here, your little spoon you there. Mix it up. Um, and this, because you because it's doing the, um, the genomic sequencing, you need only the tiniest sample. So even the smallest bit that you can get on the wipe is all you need to get a good sample. Cool. And typically, how long does it take to get the results back? What would you say is an average turnaround time for this? Um, I think it's about 10 days to two weeks. Oh, so they can, really sped can, it up, I got to say. I you mean, can, it, you, you can pause me if you want. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there's some, it's, you know, I think the, the variability is an important thing to point out is that um, a typical lab that does this kind of sampling is average about six weeks. Right. Yeah. And I, I think we're a little bit less than that. Thorn's a little bit less than six weeks. So I think people just need to know this. Is, it's not an overnight thing. Right. You're not going to find out tomorrow. And and it's important to point that out because this test is not for somebody who's got an urgent situation. Right. This right. is a wellness test that for people who have chronic gut problems, it isn't necessarily the test that you would do if you came back from Mexico and said, definitely not you don't want to be waiting for that yeah one. yeah that's that's not you know going to be your first option um although the information that you get from this test is just as accurate is that test that you might do you know at a local hospital um, right and, and, and having you, go ahead I, yeah i think i mean when we were talking before about why you do one or the other um that's why they still have a place or another test that you do because you know what you're measuring against you can do it a lot faster to identify some kind of pathogen or infection, quote infection. Um, whereas this one is because it's giving you all of the data, it takes longer. And so it has that longer term use. I've also got to say that I, I recently was in that situation with a patient where I had to get that information right away. And that rapid test now costs something like $800 at least, at least. So it's a very, it's getting that information, you know, in two to three days, uh, you're going to have to pay for that. Yeah. To be able to get it. But it's the technology actually isn't even as advanced as the metagenomics testing that's used in the gut health test. Right. It's so, I mean, basically the only downside you have with a thorn gut test is it takes about five to six weeks to get results. Okay. I think uh, we need to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll show you our results and we'll walk you through what they mean or what we think they mean. Uh, for those of you listening on audio only, this next part is where we're going to switch over to the video option on YouTube or on our, our website would be the most beneficial. So check out the links in the show notes.
Are you ready to take the guesswork out of good health? If you are, then Thorne makes it easy with simple health tests that offer deep insights into what's going on inside your body. Choose from multiple tests that analyze for sleep, stress, weight management, biological age, the gut microbiome, and more. Thorne's at-home health tests measure your personal biomarkers, providing detailed insights that help you identify potential health risks and specific areas of improvement. Plus, each one provides individualized recommendations for diet, exercise, and supplementation. Visit thorn.com to learn more about Thorne's health tests and to start your new health discoveries today. That's T-H-O-R-N-E.com. And we're back. So now it's time to see what the gut health test has to tell us. We've both taken our tests. We've both gotten an email notifying us that results are ready. Then we logged into thorn.com and the first thing you see is a notification that says your test results are ready. So Dr. Frick will go first and then we'll talk about her results and then we'll swap over. Okay. So Amanda, let's, uh, let's see what you got here. Sure. So on my screen here, I've, I've logged in and you can see I've done a few other tests in the last year or so, but right here on the top, it's telling me my results already. This one is my gut health test. And so here we are. Now you can, now you can take a sneak peek. So the first thing we see is normal pathogen screen. Now, a few minutes ago, we were talking about a test that you might do if you came back from a trip and you had dysentery or something like that. Uh, that's what you're going to be looking for in that test is pathogens. And this test also includes pathogens. That, and in fact, all of them, all the big ones. So tell us what that means. So um, I think that's why we put it front and center. So if, if people are doing this for wellness or digestion concerns and a pathogen did come up, we would redirect back to, to additional medical care. Um, but that's why I sort of clicked and it scrolled down. So this is what we're looking at in a pathogen screen. These are some of the things that you'd be worrying about for uh, like traveler's diarrhea or food poisoning or some other things like that. Like you can see some things that look familiar here. Um, so this is what they're looking for in that pathogen screen. And then the cool thing about it is if you want to understand what they all are, you can hover over any of them and it tells you, you know, if, if I happen to have one of these that was abnormal or did show up in my pathogen screen, I can read a little bit more about what happens or what kind of symptoms that would cause. But as you can see, there are things like this, like maybe bloody diarrhea, abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. Um, these are the things that would be like red flags we'd want to know right away, which is why that comes up first on this test. Can you say what it means when it says your bacteria level is normal? What, um, what's that, that? What does that imply exactly? I think that this is just saying that the amount there is not indicative of a problem. I'm not sure mm -hmm. that it's an absolute zero, um, mm -hmm. but there isn't enough there or there's not an indication of genetic presence that would be problematic. In other words, and I think this is a really important point, a lot of the things that we consider to be really harmful bacteria may be in healthy people in very low levels. And this technology, this metagenomics testing is so sensitive that it can pick up very, very small amounts of these things. And some of them might actually have been on the food that the person ate 
the day before. There's bacteria and viruses in all the food that we eat. You eat a salad, you're going to be getting bacteria. And so this test is so sensitive, it'll pick it up. And the important thing is we have a cutoff level. Right. So with the cutoff level, uh, and this is a really critical issue, the cutoff level says if you have below this amount, it's not significant. It's not worth worrying about. I will say I've seen people get tested through other companies that do DNA testing, not the shotgun metagenomics, but the DNA testing will say, you've got Clostridioides difficile. And they go, oh my God, I need antibiotics. I need to be treated. And that's not the case, right? There is got to be a good cutoff level. And you say below that, it's right. normal. It's normal. So normal here means something that's pretty significant. Yeah, I think it, this section is helpful too. Um, that's exactly what you're saying. So although it's come back normal, it's not diagnostic, but things that are screened for are typically present in the gut. So it's only when it's elevated or has there's too much of it that can cause a problem. Okay, great. All right. So what's the next thing that you look at? So then the second section, we go through things that we call gut pillars. So they're the, the major items that we want to look for, the things that are important in an overall functional gut health analysis. And so the first one here is digestion score. And yours looks good. Looks good. Yeah. I'll take that. I can yeah, use some good news. She'll, she'll take some good <laughs> news that you're, you're above the optimal range. And then if you want to know how that was determined, it was based on a balance of bacteria. Right. So this one's looking at ammonia production and amino acid degradation. And so is the bacteria that's present in your gut indicative of somebody that may have issues with digestion or have poor digestion and mine looks normal? Great. Okay. That's encouraging. Mm -hmm. And the next section was inflammation. Yep. Inflammation score is the second one. So even though I do have one that's popping up at the beginning that says it can raise levels of inflammation in your gut, overall, my score is good. So the balance of things that may be an issue and the things that are really helping to maintain or reduce inflammation in my gut are balanced to the point that my overall score is in an optimal range here. Now, this would see, seem to be the place where the artificial intelligence uh, machine learning aspect is really important because we're not just looking for one guy. We're not just looking for salmonella. We're not just looking for clostridioides, right? We're looking at the overall mix of bacteria, which are really hundreds, if not thousands of species. So I don't know, my brain's not big enough to be able to like look at all those different ones. And I should say that there is the option of downloading what's called the community report, which list every single thing that was found. And when you see that, you go, oh my God, okay, I'm going to go back to the analysis because, you know, when I see what's under the hood of this machine, it can be quite overwhelming. Yes. So this is where the AI comes in handy because the AI is saying, well, this guy's up a little bit, this is up a little bit, but it gets balanced out by other bacteria. Am I correct in yes. saying that? Yep, exactly. I think um, what's really special about this too is in a traditional stool sample collection, they're they're testing a metabolite, they're testing for calprotectin, or they're te they're mm -hmm. testing something specific that would indicate inflammation. But really, what the thorn test is giving you is are the bacteria in your gut helping you to balance or create? Are they helping create calprotectin, or are they not? And um, do you have things that are helping balance inflammation against what isn't? And so rather than just, yeah, you have you have a metabolite of inflammation or not, you know what the, the population in your gut looks like and whether that's you're at a higher risk to develop that inflammation because of that. If somebody had uh, inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, what would you expect 
this score to show? Uh, I would expect that the score would show higher. It would be on this higher end here. And mm -hmm. it could be for lots of reasons. One person with colitis or Crohn's could have completely different bacteria that are showing up in their picture. So in the end, they all have inflammation, but they may have inflammation for different reasons, which is exactly why, you know, the same treatments aren't, unless you're using straight anti-inflammatory, if you really want to treat their gut, they, they would have different things they would need to help balance that system out. Great. Very helpful. So um, what next? Then the third pillar is gut dysbiosis, which this one doesn't look as friendly on my score here, but dysbiosis really just means bacteria out of balance. So my score is a little high indicating that I have some bacteria out of balance or it's a high risk for dysbiosis. And people with dysbiosis could have a bunch of different symptoms or not have any, mm -hmm. uh, but really what it's looking like is, so they the scores are sh showing here, like the little arrows say up, like, look, if, if you look at this acromancia one, it's saying up, but that doesn't mean my acromancia is high. My acromancia is actually low. So this little indicator button is showing that that has increased my score in a bad way. So the little red arrow shows that that, that increased my dysbiosis score. And in this case, higher score is not good, uh, but it increased because something that's protective against dysbiosis or something you'd want to have is low. So you're getting both sides of the picture. I mean, you want to have... People think of E. coli like a bad thing, but Escherichia as a as a genera in your gut is something that you need. Yep. Um, and you have to have it. It's it just a normal doesn't player. belong places that don't that aren't in your gut, and that's yeah. when it causes a problem. But having too much of it is not great. So I have a little bit too much of that. Uh, so it's a bit of both. You can see I have things that are a little too high and things that are too low, and so that's increasing that total dysbiosis score. And already I'm starting to think, okay, low Ackermansia, mucinophila, and Fecalibacterium presnitzii, those are both really good guys, right, for, mm -hmm. for at least for most situations. I mean, there's no microbe that's 100% good all the time for everybody, but for most people, we want to have more of these. So that would be something you might want to put on the shelf and say, okay, when I've finished this test, I'm going to come back and say, okay, I need to do something to correct that. Yep. Right. This is, this is actually one of the biggest pieces that I acted upon after taking this test. Okay, great. What else? Then the next pillar, pillar number four is intestinal permeability. So this is what people think about when we say something like leaky gut, to me, what that means is I'd be more likely to be reactive to foods that I'm eating or bacteria in my gut or other things that are that belong staying in my gut, but they're getting out and then getting into my bloodstream and then causing my system to react to them. Um, and so my score looks good, thankfully. But this is, again, based on the bacteria balance in your gut and not a direct measure of things like you might see in some other traditional tests. Mm -hmm. um, but it looks like here that I have some good guys that are high, maybe one that's that that's a little bit too high, but in an overall balance, my intestinal permeability score is good. So I want to point out, again, you can also test permeability by giving people a solution of lactulose mannitol and seeing if you're absorbing molecules that are normally not absorbed because they're too big, like the lactulose that coming out in your urine or not. So people might think, well, that's the only way to test for permeability. This is testing to see if you have the predisposition to permeability, which, you know, you, you might call it a virtual test, a virtual test for intestinal permeability. And I think it's quite comparable. 
I think it's comparable. There's a lot of variability in doing that lactulose mannitol test. You know, it, it, permeability can go up and down depending on what you've eaten, Yeah. depending on the time of day. And this is telling you more whether you have the propensity, the tendency towards that. Which is more important that I would want to know, because e- even if it's high and I don't experience symptoms of it, and if, if my score were high, I might want to pay a little more attention to it or maybe even pre-treat or do some things to help prevent some kind of imbalance that would lead to that. Great. Okay. What else have we got here? Then nervous system. This one's really interesting, which you're not going to see a lot in other traditional tests, but it's it's giving some information about the bacteria balance in your gut and whether it would lead to gut-brain axis miscommunication. So we talk about the like gut-brain communication all the time, and it's kind of like a hip thing we've been talking about for a few years, uh, but I don't normally see that in a traditional stool test. Um, mm-hmm. So this is giving me an idea of whether the bacteria imbalance in my gut would have a higher association with things that would cause a gut-brain imbalance. Um, mm-hmm. And this one saying my score is a little bit high. So I may have um, a higher risk or a need for improvement to try to keep from mood imbalances happening. And in my sample, it's suggesting that I maybe have a propensity to depressed mood. Cool. So that could be really helpful for somebody that's got a mood disorder to realize maybe they could change their gut microbial profile and it would make them feel more optimistic and upbeat. Yeah. I mean, the the answer isn't always just neurotransmitter support, right? That those things all happen in your gut. And so having the right bacteria to make, I mean, serotonin production majority happens in your gut. And I think people sort of miss that boat. Um, So knowing what that bacteria balance is in your gut you're helping to treat the cause a little better than just taking something to fix the serotonin endpoint. Great. All right. So why don't we skip to more of an overview of like what, uh, you know, what all this is showing. Yeah. So this is a, this is a good place to look at the overview. Your beta diversity is 80%. Now you isn't, aren't high scores good? So the, I know even <laughs> I had to go back and study this when I was like, we need to process. Yeah. Um, what this is saying is that my score is high, which means it's a higher percentage away from uh, normal or other healthy adults. Um, so it means I'm farther away from what sort of that middle ground is or what other healthy people who are reporting healthy guts or people who don't have other um, health issues or symptoms and what their gut bacteria balance looks like. And mine's kind of far away from what other people's look like, which is why the higher score is not necessarily great. So the diversity means you're diverging from a from a healthy population, at least from the current database that we have of what a healthy population looks like. Exactly. And I, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing, but that low acromanzia and low Fecalipacterium prosnitzii may have a lot to do with this. Yeah, I think that there we're coming back to the same picture there. Which is good news because there's we, there's something we can because do about that. Because there are that. options. There are options. So maybe we could just in the interest of time, because obviously there's a lot we could cover here. Maybe we could skip to where uh, all this stuff gets put together in a recommendation. Sure. Let's see. I think that's more at the very end. We're getting there. Here we go. Um, So you're on a good diet, it says. Well, yeah, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to know. I'll take that. Um, But maybe you should take some prebiotics. Yeah, I think, um, actually not sure prebiotics are in my recommendation, but we can see here. Um, oh. It's saying to add nuts and seeds for me. Yeah. Um, and then my, my, you're right, got prebiotic. 
thankfully I love with prebiotic disc, so I didn't have to purchase that or have an additional recommendation, but that's what I got. So I got a prebiotic, which, which is what's great about the thorn prebiotics. It can help rebalance. So not, not only can prebiotic plus help you get your good bacteria in line, it can also help reduce unwanted bacteria. So that's kind of a double whammy. A lot of other prebiotics are just fiber and they can just feed what you've got for good guys. Um, but because of the unique ingredients in prebiotic plus, you can help rebalance. And then well, I got... Am I correct that the one of the primary targets of the uh, the Effusio prebiotic is E. coli? It is. It, and that's, I remember your E. coli was high. Yep, it was high. So this would help, like, it's not knocking out all your E. coli, it's just bringing it into balance. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then it's, the, the cool thing is it's like eating up the E. coli and then making it digestible for my good guys. So it's turning uh, bad turning them into bad food. things into food. <laughs> yeah, super great. Great. And a probiotic, uh, which yep. we have a few different thorn options. And then undicylenic acid. So that one's added there probably to help with some of those other ones that were high and weren't looking so great there to help rebalance. Um, and then metabolic health is for a systemic support. And I think that goes back to that beta diversity score. My beta diversity score is high, which makes me more likely to have weight management issues and um, some metabolic function not being optimal. And so metabolic health is in there to help support that. Yes. Great. Okay, uh, any other closing comments that you might have about what you learned from this test? No, I think that I, I was happy to see, you know, everybody likes a little validation. I like my good news that some things are looking good here. And mm -hmm. I do like that I have the ability to work on some other things. So, so much good research coming out about acromancia and we're looking into that as a company a little bit more. So that was really interesting for me to see as well. That was my favorite part. You know, it seems like one of the big things we're learning about microbiome testing is that it's as much about what's missing as it is about the bad guys that are causing problems. Exactly. Yeah. The missing microbes, I believe, is what... Uh, <laughs> uh, Sounds uh, like a Nancy uh, Drew novel. <laughs> yeah. Do Dr. Blazer, the missing microbes. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to look at my score, which is uh, from the test that I did about a month ago. You know, I would say I have... Uh, pretty good digestion overall. So my my main interest was making sure I didn't have any bad bugs that, you know, picked up in various travels or from, uh, you know, drinking water up in the mountains. Uh, I never drink from streams anymore uh, here in Colorado because we have Giardia, but, you know, I do drink well water and you never quite know. So I wanted to know if I had any bad bugs and just what the overall picture looked like. So the first score was my overall digestion. And as you pointed out, Amanda, that uh, looks at the bacteria involved with ammonia production, which is meaning breaking down protein. How are you at breaking down protein and amino acid degradation? And it said, you know, overall things looked pretty good. So that was, that was encouraging. Um, my inflammation score uh, was low, also encouraging, and very similar to yours. I had some elevation in a couple of less desirable bugs, Enterobacteriaceae and Pseudomonas, um, and those are bacteria that have a lot of lipopolysaccharide or endotoxin in the, the uh, membranes of the bacteria. Um, but then that gets balanced out by genes associated with... Um, with uh, calprotectin, which actually helps to fight off the bad guys. So 
again, thank goodness for artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, because if I just looked at these bacteria on my own, oh, this is high, this is low. I don't know what all that means, you know, without kind of plugging it into the computer program. I wonder if you have any comments about that. Oh, I don't really. Just the what we had discussed when we looked at mine. I just think it's 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 funny because we have one that's the same, one that's completely different. Um, but we ended up with similar, really similar, similar scores. scores. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So again, the analysis is basically where it's at. Right. Is you know what what does the overall picture look like? Now, when I look at um, gut dysbiosis, again, I'm a little bit on the high side, not terribly high. But I'm high because I've also got uh, escherichia higher than normal. It's normal to have some, but higher than normal. Um, one thing that decreases it is bifidobacterium. And I do take a probiotic, so I'm assuming that that helps. I also eat goat yogurt, <laughs> which I, I love goat, goat, yogurt. goat yogurt. Yeah, I eat it all the time. And uh, I think that's got some pretty good probiotics in it. Um, one bacteria that I'm just learning a lot about recently is Blaudia. Um, and, you know, again, if I wanted to dive into that, I can click on those those letters and it'll tell me a little more about it. I think that the interesting thing about yours, too, is that you you have a lot of everything. So you have a yeah. bunch of high. I don't see any that's like low or, oh, something's missing. you got a whole bunch of stuff, but you have a bunch of them that maybe are too many or yeah. too, too much in number. Yeah. So a little bit too much of this, a little bit too much of that. But but again, no pathogens, no right. bugs that I would say, well, I really need uh, antibiotics. Right. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I had to take some antibiotics for a, an infected tooth. Um, maybe you say that's too much information. I don't want to know that. But <laughs> you know what? You get old enough, these things happen. They do. Uh, and I wonder if this might have been the consequence of that, <laughs> that perhaps I knocked out some of the good guys and the bad guys overgrew a little bit. Yeah, very possible. So the good news is that it didn't seem to affect my permeability. Um, I'm, I'm well within the optimal range. And there are some bacteria, some of the same ones that contribute uh, to the dysbiosis that also contribute to a, an increased permeability score, but also it's lower um, because I have protective amounts of calprotectin. So we. I want to clarify that one. Calprotectin is a substance made by immune cells that is part of your normal defense system in the gut. So it's normal to make some calprotectin. When you do a uh, stool test looking specifically for calprotectin, you almost always will find some. And I'd actually be nervous if people didn't have some. It's just when it's off the chart that you go, oh, this could be a bad problem. Yeah. So you want adequate amounts of calprotectin, but not too much. And that's what's saying is that you've got species that make it. This is good. Um, and that helps protect you. Again, nervous system was good. Um, so I guess that means I will uh, never have a mood disorder. Uh, as long as I take the you proper hope. probiotics. <laughs> yes, I will. Um, my beta diversity was 35%. Um, remind me what yours was. Weren't you at like... 80. 80%. 80. Oh, okay. So the lower diversity score, that means I'm a little bit closer to the healthy population. Is that, am I correct? Yes. In but then that? They, yeah. they're still considering it high. So 
basically yours is high mine's like skyrocket high they just don't use descriptive terms okay yeah they don't go whoa yeah whoa <laughs> oh, this my. one this is a ringer what are we gonna do <laughs> Okay, so that means I could do something to help bring me closer to the norm of healthy people. Yes. Um, and then uh, something we didn't talk about with yours is my immune readiness score. It says, well, you could, uh, you could use a little improvement there. You know, maybe there's a couple of things like Klebsiella and Streptococcus might be advantageous to bring those guys down. That section's interesting too, Bob. Yours all just say hi again. I didn't see anything on yours that said low. Uh, just the one, yeah, nothing low. But I do have good, back, good the bifidos seem to be helping guys. me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'd say that's got to be because of the yogurt and the probiotics that I'm taking. And then, uh, as in the case with yours, all my pathogens were normal, very uh, encouraging. I know that uh, with a previous stool test that I used to do from another company, it seemed like everyone had blastocystis. Right. They'd all come back. But those, that was a microscopic test. So they, somebody was looking at it and going, I see these little round things. I think they're blastocystis. The DNA test is so much more accurate. And if the DNA test says we don't see it, then it's probably not there. Yeah. Which means we were overdiagnosing blastocystis ominous. Oh. Yeah. That, I mean, for years. And I, I don't know. I treated a lot of people for it in the past and I wonder how many people really needed it if that or if that's really what their problem was. So it's good to have this newer technology out there. So again, all the way Giardia is normal. That's living in Colorado, that's a really good that's a win. thing. <laughs> that's a big win, you know, because it is out there. So what were the recommendations for me? Uh, as with you, I had too much of the E. coli. So the Effusio prebiotic was recommended. Um, the Florman Prime, love that probiotic. Very well-studied probiotic. Um, and the Metabolic Health. So we had very similar kind of recommendations. Um, again, bergamot and curcumin. And also B-complex. Now, yeah, now why would, how could we use the stool test to know if somebody needs B vitamins? Could you explain that to me? Yeah, we have a section here. Um, we do have data about certain bacteria helping your gut produce B vitamins. And so you must have had indicators that were low. And mm. so you must have had a B, a B vitamin. You had a low bacteria somewhere. They just didn't show up in the other scores. But you must be lacking some um, that are helping to produce B vitamins. So we're recommending B vitamins for you. Well, this has been a really interesting tour. Clearly, we're just scratching the surface of what you can do here. As I mentioned, you can also download the community report. So the for the people who are real geeks, <laughs> they can download this community report, and it tells you everything they found in there. And having looked at that on a few patients, I can tell you, you can spend a long time kind of plowing through it, looking for specific things. So we're just scratching the surface here of what's possible with this particular test. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this particular episode. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If people want to follow more of what you're up to and the kind of things that you're developing for Thorn, where would they go? 
Um, I think we put a lot of information on Take 5 Daily, so I would watch Take 5 Daily. You can sign up for a research, research extract email, so those come out um, in a Take 5 Daily post for consumers, and then at Physicians, we have a different um, a different set of research extracts that you can watch. And then I think, you know, watching Thorn Podcast and watching um, the blog and social media, you'll hear where some of the new things are coming. Terrific. We're really looking forward to that. So that was Thorne's Vice President of Medical Affairs, Dr. Amanda Frick, on Thorne's gut health tests. And I hope you've really got the sense that this is a really advanced, very sophisticated analysis that's being offered here. As always, thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show and please tune in again. Thanks for listening to the Thorne Podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. If you've got a health or wellness question you'd like answered, simply follow our Instagram and shoot a message to at thornhealth. You can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 daily blog. Once again, thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to join us next time for another episode of the Thorn Podcast.